and welcome to the Jersnet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans and the content is absolutely free. Um, you join us tonight on our, our flagship Sunday night show. Um, there's no Rangers this week, um, but you know that could mean in some quarters there wasn't much to talk about. But you know there's always sound bites coming out of iBrooks, so there's plenty for for myself and my guests to to get through tonight. Um, and you join us in a, in a historic evening, actually. Um, and what is is surely the youngest ever average age of a Jersey show in uh, in the history of the of the podcast life. Um so I, I'm your host for the evening, David Wren. I'm joined by I Ross Bennett and uh, and Doogie, who will, will help me chew over a couple of the, the talking points from this week. We'll look towards um some of the other talking points, I suppose, in the week gone by, we but on on perhaps next week's games, but we also we've got something a wee bit different to go through as well that will look back in uh, in the past the past ten years in a, in a different way. Um, so there's plenty plenty to go through tonight. But Ross, first of all, um, it's good to be back on with you. It's been it's been a while. I think perhaps even as far back as um, as the Champions Show. It might well be. I'm not sure. I remember the Champions Show. Um... But it was a lot of fun, I'm sure. Uh, it's been a while. Are the barbers not open where you are? I'm trying. I'm growing it a wee bit. A wee bit. Well, I mean, obviously you're. I mean, you're. You're struggling. You've only got a couple of haircuts left in you. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're going after hair, Ross. Maybe, maybe not the, maybe not the best thing. Anyway, Dougie, we'll come on to you. We, we certainly the last time we were in the show together was the champions, the champion show. I think that night we were, we were full of, full of. Uh, happiness and optimism about what, what was left of the season. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't work out maybe the way we wanted it in some, some aspects. But, you know, we're now looking towards a week that, that will be of celebrations. It's, it's going to be exciting. What you got planned for, for the, the title day? My daughter's fourth birthday on the 14th. So on the Saturday, I will be most likely entertaining a bunch of children, which sounds a lot worse than what it actually is, but I am hoping to, to sneak off and watch the game. Um, we spoke before around there will likely be gatherings around Glasgow, whether it be George Square or at Ibrooks. Um, I've still to make up my mind whether I'll socially distance appear at, at either um, Ibrooks or George Square just to see um, some of the events because I felt very left out of, of the last events. Um, and you see, you see incredible scenes all around Europe just now. I don't know if you've seen the the scenes in Milan when Inter Milan won the the Serie A. Um, likewise in the Eredivisie with with Ajax, um, and you even seen it in Maryhill where Partick Thistle obviously won their league. Um, and there wasn't any mention of um, not being able to see grannies going on in in in, in, in Amsterdam and in, in, in Milan or in Maryhill. So I might make a wee a wee appearance just with a, a wee smoke bomb in my hand and, and see what the what the what the songs are that I can I can join in. Yeah, I think I think the key thing there is the social distance aspects. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was surprised. I hadn't heard anything about this. Um but maybe it's I, I must have just missed it. I don't know. But um I, I'm sure there will be celebrations ongoing across Scotland uh on Saturday. Um but going into going into the sort of news from from the week, Ross, and and we'll come on a wee bit to to the the weekend games and the sort of more of the celebration type stuff um, as the show goes on. But probably the big talking point, well, the main the main one certainly from from this week has been been a new signing, uh, Fashion Sakala, which is a fantastic name, a truly 
remarkable name. And not only are we signing players early doors and getting players in the door, we're also signing players now that have got fantastic names. Hadji, you know, fantastic. And now Fashion Sakala, which is just magnificent. But, you know, what have you seen of him? Have you, have you done the old YouTube scouting thing on him yet? Or have you... Have you seen much of him live? To be honest, I didn't. I didn't need to do much scouting of him because, you know, as we all know, I'm I'm something of a Zambian football specialist. Um, I've been a lifelong fan of Lusaka FC. Um, so no, I've, we've, we do you remember under Warburton and we would sign guys from Wigan or Brentford, and we'd all go, I wish we were scouting in some more exotic markets. Well. Not going to get much more exotic than than Zambia. Um, he's been playing obviously at. Uh, out at Ustend, I think. So the same club as Jack Hendry. And uh, as we know, Jack Hendry, not a superstar um, when he was playing at Celtic, but has has been doing all right in the Belgian league. Uh, so I've, I've seen a little bit of of Belgian football just by kind of having a look at what's going on with, with some of the players over there. And it's a good standard, actually. It's not, it, it's not too dissimilar from our league. Um, Ustend not a bad side play alright football um, I, I don't know a huge a huge deal about him there's uh, there's plenty of YouTube videos Fashion Zakala as you say it's it's a fantastic name um, I wonder if that's kind of is that even great for Zambian standards or is, is Fashion Zakala kind of like a Rab Anderson would be for us I don't know um, but I'm looking forward to it I, he's a good player by all accounts. You have to trust the scouting that we've done. The scouting over the last two or three seasons has been, you know, certainly above the standard that we saw for the five or six years preceding that. And I think this scouting department has earned a degree of trust. Um, so look, we're, we're kind of ticking all the boxes. We knew that we wanted to maybe some reinforcements up front. Looks like Jermaine Defoe probably not sticking around another season. Um, so it's good to bring in a striker. No one quite knows what will happen with Morelos. And we've been speculating about him for three or four years moving on and it never quite happened. So um, yeah, it, like I say, ticking all the boxes, we needed some some extra reinforcements up front. We're looking at some, you know, I think the right markets to be shopping in in terms of Belgian football. So yeah, I, I think it's a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, Dougie, on, on, on the signing and, and just, just the business in general, and you look at Offerboard, who also signed from, from Bournemouth uh, in, in January, well, we announced it in January. It's quite interesting to see how quickly um, we're doing our business and getting players in the door, especially when you look at, and we don't like speaking about Celtic too much here, but you know they are in a position where there's going to be a lot of turnover in, in staff and players. Um, they still not got a manager, whereas we, we have quite a settled squad, we've got a good manager and, and we're now making signs for next season, which shows you the benefits of that sort of director of football model as well. Yeah, it's good to get our business done early. Ophabor actually makes me a little bit nervous because he's he's been on loan for the last six months of the, the season at, at Wickham, um, where he, he was last season and impressed and, and helped him get into the championship. But he's not been a regular since, since going back there again. So he, he makes me a bit nervous. I think Ophibor is probably a, a bit of a development signing. I don't know what our plans are for him next season. We definitely need to strengthen at central midfield. But I do suspect that he might not be around the first team next season. He potentially um, might be loaned out again. Um, but Sakala, it, it was interesting some of the comments that Ross made there. Um, as a dedicated follow, follower of fashion, obviously I've done my research into Sakala 
Um, but one of the comments that, sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> but but one of the comments that, that Ross said there was around the scouting and particularly that kind of Mark Warburton and um, the best in the business, Frank McParland did. You know, we were picking up players in English Championship, English League One. Ross said it's good to, to, to get the scouting reach out there further afield. By the by the some of the rumours that are coming around just now, it seems that we are scouting primarily in in Belgium and Holland. And and that seems to be the market that we are we are looking at um for this summer's recruitment. Um but, but from a, a Sakala perspective, he's very low risk for me, um, because both him and Alpha Boar are Bosmans. Um he's he's very raw. The footage I've seen of of uh, Sakala on YouTube, he's very raw. Um but he's got some assets that we don't currently have. He's, he's a player, probably similar to Roof, that he can play across the front three, but he's got absolutely explosive pace. And I think he offers us something slightly different to, um, to Itten in particular. So if Defoe goes and, and, and Roof potentially starts in the front three, if we do need to mix it up, he's, he's definitely a different option than, than what we've got available to us just now, which I think bodes well. But w- one of the big things for me, so... Um, competition. We we had competition um, apparently from teams like Galatasaray for, for Sakala um, and we were able to, to beat them. And I think one of the big reasons for that is actually our success under the Steven Gerrard era. Um, we've also just won the league. We've had the European success in the past couple of seasons um, and we've got the prospect of Champions League football. I think those combined has helped us be able to attract someone like Sakala, exploit the Bosman market and it it excites me as we go into this summer transfer market because you said yourself, we've got a very settled squad just now. And I think we we probably need to add one or two to the squads. You know, Sakala gives us that different option up front. But I think the one or two additions that we'll make will be primarily in the starting eleven. And some of the names that we've seen linked, such as Joey Veerman from here in Veen at centre mid, they really excite me. If we can add one or two real quality players to our starting eleven, as well as some more risks, like Sakala, I think we'll be in a very, very good place for next season. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. And Ross, another thing I want to touch on in terms of signings, there's also been links with with some of our players in the department. One that one that's came up that's actually quite surprised me, but it's been it's been talked about for a couple of months now. Yanis Hadji's been been linked to a couple of clubs. The latest seems to be Bochum in, in Germany, who are, who are about to be um, promoted to the Bundesliga. What do you make of that? Because I find that quite interesting. I, I like Hadji, and I certainly like him a lot more now than I did at the start of the season. I, I, I was surprised we signed him. I think it was said on here I was surprised we signed him. I also thought start of the season he struggled. Just I think it, in terms of the league games he started, he just couldn't get going. Comes back into the team at Christmas time, and I, I think he's been he's been excellent. I think his best impact in a game, arguably, was uh, was the old firm game at. at New Year, I thought he was excellent when he came on, and he just provided a bit of a spark that day, and I think that that carried on. I like uh, I like Hadji, but it doesn't it doesn't make me any less surprised that there is this interest in him because I feel like he's a player. You know, uh, Dougie mentioned it there. He's a player who is still probably for me in that development stage. So, what do you make of that? Do you think we've made enough? Got enough out of him so far? Is there more to come? Should we keep him? Should we sell him if the price is right? I'm, I'm interested in your view. I think well, I think every player is up for sale if the price is right. Um, and and Hadji's no different. I think Hadji, 
I get the sense probably has a very active agent. Um, I think that there's always been a plan for for Hadji and you know between him and his agent, uh, which was get your move to kind of a, a predominant or what am I trying to say? You know, a, a real class European league. And I think he went to he went to Belgium, didn't he? Played for Genk, which is where we picked him up. And okay, Genk, Belgium. Like I say Belgian league is you know it's not top tier European league, but it's a good league. But he goes to Genk, which isn't a club at that time, which is challenging. So I can sort of see that they've now tried to place him at Rangers because it's right. The league is similar to Belgium, but you'll be challenging. You'll be top top of that league, and that's your springboard to Premiership, Italy, Germany, Spain, wherever. Um, so I'm not surprised to see him being linked. He has had a strong. I agree. Actually, the second half of the season, I think he's been really strong. I think sometimes Hadji doesn't actually get the credit that he deserves, and I think that's because. That type of player playing in Scotland, he, he'll always kind of do two or three things wrong for the one good thing that then comes. So there's always a failed dribble or a failed pass or a failed cross. But then if you look at, like you say, that that old firm game, which he, he changed and he was brilliant. But if you look back at the, the, the recent old firm game uh, a week ago, Defoe's goal, which was, which was excellent, Defoe did incredibly well, you know, absolutely screwed Stephen Welsh into the turf. Um, and, and finished beautifully but the ball round the corner that we flick from Hadji like, it, it was superb it was absolutely you know very precisely placed to, to pull it around Stephen Welsh and, and, and for Defoe to run onto it so it's things like that wee bits of quality that show that Hadji I mean he's, he's born in what 1998 so he's 22 years old very much still developing um, yeah he, he, he won't be with us for very long I think I think there is a plan for him to move to a, a top league now Bochum is that is that the place for him to kick on and develop? It seems a bit odd, you know. Obviously, just being promoted or or what have you. I would have thought that Hadji. I expect he would probably be our record sell, a record sale, which um, isn't actually that high in in today's world. Uh, so I think he, you know, Bochum would would probably be a step down. And that's no disrespect to them, but some of the other teams that he's been linked with, Sevilla, Lazio, places like that, I, I, I could certainly see them taking a punt because what is our record sale is is not going to be breaking the bank for a club like that. Have we got enough from him for him to move on? Probably. <laughs> he's probably replaceable. Um, and the money that, that we get from that, I, I'm sure, would be reinvested. So I like him. I like him as a player. I think I'm right in saying he's the top assists in, in the SPL this season. Um, his output is excellent he does sometimes flatter to, to deceive he sometimes blows a wee bit hot and cold um, but his output is good I think we've we've got value from him and I think if he was to be sold it would be for profit so that's that's the model uh, I don't know what more we can ask for Yeah I would agree with that I think, I think for him though and just last point on this I think for his development as a player I completely agree with what you're saying there about Bochum for instance that's I think, I mean, I don't know uh, their sort of circumstance, to be honest, but they're going they're probably going to find it difficult in the Bundesliga, I would have thought. You know, any, I think any team going up would would find it difficult. I know Union Berlin are starting to sort of um, solidify their place in that, in that top tier, but they struggled when they first went up as well um, after a long time in the, in the lower league. So I don't know. I think he would be better staying where he is or, or as you say getting a move to Lazio or Sevilla but is he really going to play there is that going to work for his development at this stage I don't I don't know in any case I don't think he's he's quite the level of a Kent or a Morelos or a um, even a Kamara 
in mm. terms of that sort of ability t- and what he's done for the team this season. I think he's a very good player, as you say, but perhaps not quite that irreplaceable. Um, yeah. Which actually brings me nicely on because I think the only irreplaceable player in the team, and I saw Ali McCoy said this through the week, but when you look at our team, I think Kent is the one that I we would struggle to replace straight away. I think, you know, we've got uh, we've got Scott Wright there who, for me, is is looking really good. I like him a lot, but I think Kent is just he's the kind of player. I say this every week on here. He's a player you pay your money to go and see. Him and Aribo for me are the ones that everyone doesn't matter who you support. You've got to love watching them play. And Dougie, the the figures being bandied about this week are twenty five million. I, <laughs> I feel like I've been stung so many times, you know, slagging off some of the price prices for Celtic players. I don't really like to comment too much on uh, on price tags and, and we've been burnt before with Morellas when we've been on saying 30, 40, 50 uh, million. So I'm just curious, what what do you think about the 25 million price tag? And and is that something that then or is upwards of 20 million where you start thinking, right, we need to we need to seriously think about this, or is he worth keeping it's really difficult because I think going into the Champions League especially, we're going to need players of his calibre, but it's a really, really tough decision. And and what do you think the club will be thinking in terms of reasonable prices for Kent? You've both said two things I had in mind. Um, Firstly, as Ross said, every player's got a price. So when you start talking £20-plus million for Ryan Kent, um, I think you've got to listen. Um, you mentioned the record sale. Our record sale at the moment is Giovanni van Bronckhorst for £12.15 million. I suspect that someone from this current playing team will will smash that, and, and I suspect it will be this summer. But the comment that you made there, David, around Ryan Kent is, for me, he's the last player that I would want to sell from this current squad. Um, for the same reason as you mentioned, for me, he's the player that, that, that gets us um, ticking in particular games. It's his ability to get the ball and carry it forward that's so important to our system, um, particularly in the games like Celtic, where he excels, like um, like Europe. Um, and, you know, when, you talk, when, you, when you're talking about players moving down to England, there's a few players like Ryan Kent, Joe Aribo, Glenn Kamara, that stick out for me as young, very talented, promising players who are domestically trained within England and count towards squad registrations that I think their prices will be inflated um, and there will be teams that will naturally look at them for that reason. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to sell Kent. Um, one of the comments I just made there is around them suiting our system. I think that's potentially one of the things that holds Hadji back just now on the, on the subject of Hadji. Um, I don't think Hadji has yet adapted to playing that wide 10 role that, that we want to play. He doesn't have the pace for it. He has everything um, technical about him that would be that would allow him to flourish in a four-two-three-one, particularly central behind behind someone like Morelos. And I think that's potentially where he would see himself as as, as his strongest position and 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 where he would want to play elsewhere. Here's here's a conundrum for me. If you could get enough money from from Hadji, say for instance fifteen million, right? If we were able to get someone like Hadji for fifteen million pounds and replace him with someone who suits our system the way that Ryan Kent does, I'd take it. 
And and the name that I'll put out there, and I've said it a couple of times on Twitter, is Harry Wilson of, of Liverpool. Harry Wilson's went away to Cardiff. Um, he just scored a, a hat-trick um, last weekend, and it was one of the best hat-tricks that you'll see in a long time. Um, the figure that's quoted for Harry Wilson's between 10 and 15, it's probably a very similar figure um, to Hadji. But I think Harry Wilson really suits the way that we play football. He's very similar to Kent, um, but he's left-footed. So he offers that kind of balance to Kent. Um, and obviously they've came through um, a lot of the youth ranks together through through Liverpool. Um, so I'd be looking to keep Kent. And if there was a player that I'd be looking to cash in on, if you were able to replace him with something that suits our system, I'd look to bring in Harry Wilson for the same cash. But the last point on it, you, you mentioned Champions League. For me, this is a season that we that we go for it um, because we have the the ability to to qualify for the group stages of the Champions League, which which obviously brings the riches that it does. But the winner of of the Premiership, the Scottish Premiership this season, will go directly into the group stages thanks to the good work that that Rangers have done under Steven Gerrard. For that reason, that brings in twenty thirty million pounds. For me, this is a season you speculate to accumulate. Um, I would like to see us try and keep a hold of our strongest 11 um, and add, as I said, one or two key players um, to really go for the Champions League. And for me, that involves keeping Ryan Kent. I think I think we were, were we not linked with Harry Wilson before? Loan deal? Who was that under? Gerald's first season. Was that under Gerald? Um, he's a good player, though. It's an interesting point you make as well. I think that's... I think Hadji, you know, he does suffer. I think Roof suffers sometimes as well when Morelos is fit. I think he's another one that doesn't quite fit into that front three uh, we would like. So, yeah, interesting. It's good that you've plucked a name out as well because that's always helpful. I can never think of anyone that's actually realistic. So I was wondering, I was I was on tenor hooks there wondering who you were going to say. Um, but Ross, Ross, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know in terms of that speculating to accumulate type thing. Are we a club that can afford to do that at the moment, or 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 should we be looking to to cash in on on the players while the stock is high? I think the the model is I mean, it sounds a bit cringe, but buy low, sell high. So you know, good scouting, develop players, sell on for a profit to richer leagues. Um, but I think you know, speculate to accumulate is kind of really asking what are the finances like you know there's been fresh investment into the club over the last couple of months um season ticket sales are going pretty well uh i think we've got room to speculate to accumulate i'd expect to see not you know we don't need a major rebuild so i'm not going to i don't think we're going to see seven eight nine new faces coming in the door this summer um but i think as you know as Dougie says if we're adding to the team, we should be adding to the first 11 and adding with real quality. And regardless of the fact that this is the Scottish Premiership, we still need to spend money to be able to do that. You know, Celtic have such a major rebuilding operation on this summer. They will be reinvigorated. They'll have a new manager. They will be bringing in a hell of a lot of new players. And we can't get complacent. And I think the management team will know that. This is certainly not a, a one and done situation of, right, well, we got 55 and we stopped the 10. Now let's rebuild simply doesn't work at Rangers. So, no, I think that if I think there will be a, a limited number of additions, um, but I think we'll be expected to pay for them and I think that I think that that will happen. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. I like I like your point as well, Dougie, about the 
the sort of buying players to fit the fit the model because I think that's something that's really starting to take shape now where we're bringing in players that fit our system and, and I think Scott Wright's a good, good example of that these are players that are coming in coming in to fit into a system rather than signing players to fit you know a system around so um, I think it's going to be interesting summer it will be it will be interesting to see who we bring in um, and and yeah I think it remains to be seen how what the what the buying model will be for that and selling but. Um, we shall soon find out. Um, we're going to touch on a topic now that that, that raised a, a debate last time. That completely one-sided debate. So I didn't I didn't want to go in on you with that one, Dougie. I wasn't I wasn't majorly bothered about it. But then it turned it turned into a thing. The people loved it. So I'm going to try and turn you and Ross against each other, and then maybe Ross will just agree <laughs> with you, and that'll be fine. But um, this this Colts thing now, since we had the sort of first chat about it and I mean that was months ago now um, it, it's raised its head on on the national level on sports sound and there's been some fascinating debates actually on there with, with the likes of John Collins and, and Jim McAnally that have just been remarkable sort of ways of looking at football from both sides like a sort of newfangled way of looking at it and then a extremely traditional way and proper extremes in both sides but interestingly there hasn't really been a voice from Celtic or Rangers on it, you know, a real voice and we're probably still in the same place now where we were when we discussed it the first time not really knowing what the clubs Stuart Robertson's obviously spoke this week about it um, but not really knowing how it would work, what what we would see from it Um, and Dougie I'll come to you first on this. It looks like the the pyramid, the sort of well, the 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 leagues one and two. That's not going to work out. I don't think. I think that's safe to say. But the new way of looking at it now seems to be the Lowland League, which I, I've not covered the Lowland League in my in my career, but I did spend a bit of time at the sort of south. Of, I think it's the south of Scotland League. Watched a few games there, and actually, the the thing that struck me having covered junior football was the sort of, I, I found it quite boys club-like almost. I, I thought it was very, um, intensity wasn't as, as as hard as perhaps junior and, and lower league levels. So that's an interesting point. I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm, maybe I'm I'm wrong in terms of the lone league, but certainly in that, in that league below, um, that I wasn't, I wasn't too sure about the quality. But what, what are your thoughts on, on this latest development and, and the, the idea that the lone league could be opened up? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm pre- so, preparing myself all day. So, so I watched the the interview you referenced there um, that, that was available on RTV that had Stuart Robertson, Ross Wilson, and um, Craig Mulholland, and I think that gave um, gave a lot of insight into where the club's minds at just now. And the, the the first thing that needs to be said is it shouldn't be Rangers that's creating the proposal and the blueprint for how to enhance the Scottish game and, and, and benefit the, the top youngsters of the Scottish game it should be um, it should be those running the running the football in the country it should be the SFA it should be the SPFL and there was some not so subtle comments made from um, from all three um, interviewed um, <laughs> we need to see more initiative and innovation coming from the top um, there's nothing currently between the 18s and first team level. Scotland's the only country in Europe that that's the case. And there's a lack of transition pathway. 
Player development must be on the agenda for the betterment of the Scottish game. The SFA and SPFL have never sent our proposal to other member clubs. And it raises a question, what does Neil Doncaster earn a third of a million pounds per year actually doing? Because he's not bringing in sponsorship. He's not bettering the game. And what's interesting about the Lowland League, I don't know a lot about it either, but they approached us. They knew that we hadn't received a response and they've approached us. And what's, what's interesting is it's, it's a trial. It's a, it's a one-year basis. And when you watch that, that, that interview, it's very apparent that Rangers see this as clearly a benefit to us as a football club. But we're trying to showcase the benefits of, of, of what it is to the, to the Lowland League. Um, it's a one-season um, trial. Um, we want to put our players in different scenarios. Um, we want to test them in a real competitive environment. Again, I don't know much about the Lowland League, but if you imagine there's nothing between 18s and, and first-team football, players are having to go out on loan. So what we spoke about before, if, if one of our best young players is having to go to the Championship League 1 to get developed, they're being developed by a club that you can't control what their coaching is. Whereas if we are the ones that have the Colts team, that has our own coaching set up, our own facilities, we can embed those players in our structure and our way of thinking. And there's some, there's some brilliant comments, right? So I mentioned there in terms of the benefits of others. Um, there was a number of benefits that Rangers have clearly put forward to the Lowland League. So it's, if we win the league, we will not be promoted. We are hoping that our... Um, our presence in the league creates a, an interest that raises the profile of the league. And as a result, it creates a sponsor for the league that generates income. It brings a TV deal for the league that brings income. It increases attendances for these leagues that brings income. But it shines a light on the progressive clubs in that league. Now, I don't know enough about it to comment, but East Kilbride, for example, East Kilbride are, are, are a well-financially-backed club that I think are in that league. Um they're a team that want to get into the into the, the League 2 setup. By by us being there, it creates a spotlight in that league and we want to be able to, to show here's the benefit to um to those lowland those lowland clubs. And I think the reason why we're doing that and the reason why we're only doing that for, for one season is we want into the actual we want into League Two. Um and if we can show the benefits to the Lowland League and we can show that we are up for the challenge and we go on and we compete. Um, compete well in that league I think it puts a strong case forward for why we should be in League 2 and it takes me into the next point around we should not be playing Lowland football with our Colts we should be playing Championship football you know you look at the B teams across the rest of Europe and you think of Barca B for example they're they're not in the bottom tier they're competing against other quality teams so I want to see our team our Colts team start in League 2 but get promoted to Scottish Championship and not have the ability to go between the Championship and uh, and the Premiership, which allows us to send our best young players to the um, to the Colts team to be trained, as I said earlier on, by our own staff, um, to be playing around their own facilities. And I'm going to give a really hot topic as an example. And I'm going to use Glenn Middleton as an example. I said beforehand I was going to segue Glenn Middleton into this somehow. Glenn Middleton came off the bench today for St Johnston in the Scottish Cup semi-final. And within eight minutes, he got an assist and he scored an absolute cracker. 
if we had a team in the championship, Glenn Middleton would be the star for that team. And it would create the pathway for someone like Glenn Middleton to push his way into Rangers. Instead, he tried to push his way into an established St. Johnston team in the top flight that's performing very well. So therefore, there's no pathway for someone like Glenn Middleton to get into the Rangers team right now. And if he doesn't get into the Rangers team, it's not to the betterment of Scottish football. And therefore, we write off too many players too quickly. My best mate was a professional footballer. He was released from Motherwell at 19 years old. It's too soon to be writing players off. We, we get into a big debate on WhatsApp a couple of weeks ago about guys like Harry Kane that didn't break into Spurs until he was, at, he was in his 20s. You don't see players in Scotland being held by their, their primary cl- club until they're that age. We write them off too quick. And I'm going to finish with a comparison because it was Stuart Robertson gave a comparison to Croatia. He described them as a country of similar size of Scotland. They recently reached the World Cup final. 67% of that squad came through B-team football. And the argument that people have said is, it's Rangers and Celtic that want B-team, it doesn't benefit Scottish football. There's your argument. There was only three major clubs that have a B-team in the Croatian League, and that team got into a World Cup final. It's that mentality that's holding Scottish football back. You mentioned the different, you know, the different viewpoints of Jim McInally and John Collins. And I think you used a a much more eloquent phrase than me. The people running Scottish football are dinosaurs, and that's what's holding us back. I'll go into another rant. Someone like Billy Gilmore should be in the Scottish national team. He's not going to be in the Scottish national team because he's too small. He's too young. He's not playing regular. When Billy Gilmore plays for Chelsea, one of the top teams in English football, he bosses teams like Man City. Instead, we'll look for a big... You know, we'll end up picking someone like Callum Patterson because he's big. You know, that is a dinosaur, that's Steve Clark, that's the Scottish FA that's running this game. And if we carry that on, we're just going to be in the exact same cycle for a, another decade until somebody else turns around and goes, we need to do something about this because, you know, the game's not improving. Rangers are trying to drag the game forward in Scotland and it's about time someone respected that. Yeah. Ran that's over. Interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is interesting. I, no, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I, th- I actually think Billy Gilmore will get picked, though. I think there's such a media hype over it, social media hype. And I agree, I think he should. I, I also think Nathan Patterson should. And I, you know, for the for the, in the interest of fairness, I also would take David Turnbull. Um, I wouldn't because he can't complete 90 minutes. I would take Ryan Gold ahead of David Turnbull and I would sign Ryan Gold for Rangers in the summer on a free transfer. Okay. Uh, Ross, um, just just in the interest of, ba- interest of balance in this uh, this debate, I'm not going to try and make you say that you don't agree with everything Dougie says. What I would like to know is, do you have sympathy? And I, I'm not saying with um, SFA or any of the guys that, that Dougie pointed out there. I'm talking about the Peterheads of this world. These guys that you know go to the games every week, 300 season ticket holders, and, and it was an interesting part of that thing with Jim McAnally and, and there was an idea like, oh, how many season ticket holders have you got? Like, who cares sort of thing. But do, I, I find this bit quite difficult because I, I agree with the, the development aspect for, for players for both Rangers, Celtic and the, and the Scottish national team and perhaps Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen as well if, if they were included. Um, but I also have a bit of sympathy for guys that just want to go and watch Peter Head against Stranaer, for, int- for in- instance. 
do they want to go and see the uh, Peterhead against Rangers B team? And I, I'm not saying I disagree with with what Diggy's saying. I'm just looking at it from a point of view of of these guys who support smaller clubs who maybe don't want to go and watch a, a Celtic B team or a Rangers B team or, or any other B team for that matter in the league. Do you do you have a bit of sympathy for for those guys? Uh, a limited amount, perhaps. Um, I mean, look if if you're in a let's say they expanded in League 2 to 12 to let Rangers and Celtic in. Well, that's... I'm not very good at maths, but that's only one out, one in six games would be against Rangers or Celtic B teams. Um, I think that's about right. So it's, it's it's a fairly low percentage and most of the time you're still watching Peterhead versus Arbroath. So that's, that's fine. Um, if, and if you don't want to watch that match because you can't stand the old firm, which is a very, very prevalent attitude in Scottish football, you know, the ugly sisters and all that nonsense, then fine, don't go and watch that game. Plenty of other folk will, and it will have still all the commercial benefits that, that, that Dougie listed there. Um, so do I have sympathy? Yes, a little bit, because I think I think people probably will go and watch teams like that because it's local and it's not, it's just not. I don't think we taint anything, but I think people might have that view. It's not tainted by the old firm, or it's not tainted by professionalism. You know, Colin goes on his rants about modern football and professional and all of that nonsense. I think a lot of folk watch that kind of uh, semi-pro provincial style of football because it's not. It's it's such a world away from from what modern football has become. So, do I have? I would have some sympathy if they felt that they are game was under threat because of Rangers and Celtic having B teams. That said, uh, the, the the benefits to Scottish football, to our players, to the national team, to everything else, far, far outweighs all of that. Um, so I'd love to sit and stir up some drama and say, you know, I think it's a I think it's a um, a terrible idea and we shouldn't do it. But no, the the whole thing about no pathway to pro, let's call it that, you know, from from 18 to men's football is a shame. And I like that Rangers have tried different things. You know, I like you go back three or four years and we kind of, we withdrew from any kind of league and we had our games programmes. Remember that where we would just play top European sides on a friendly basis. I enjoyed that. I thought that I was quite sceptical about that, but I think it worked quite well. And what's good going in, you know, if, if we do get into the Lowland League next season is that we would still retain that kind of thing because of being in European competition. So the players are playing against less skilled, less kind of proficient men in men's football and then playing the best of their generation in European competitions. They're getting the best of both worlds and I think that can only be a good thing. Um, limited sympathy for for the, the fans of those smaller clubs who don't want anything to do with professional football, don't want anything to do with the old firm, but uh, I think that they'll have to swiftly get over it because the, the, the benefits far outweigh any of that. Okay, that was interesting again. Um, but no, I, I think it's I think it's certainly something that isn't going to go away. And um, Dougie, just before we move on, do you think they should play the the games at Ibrox and Parkhead? No, no. You, you look at COVID just now. Um, obviously, empty stadiums, lower attendances. Therefore, would be the kind of similarity. And and you look at Real Madrid. Real Madrid are playing at their training ground just now rather than, than the Bernabeu. Now, obviously, the Bernabeu is being, being refurbed and that's the reason. But if Real Madrid can play in the Champions League at their training ground, then Rangers can play at, let's be honest, a state-of-the-art five-star training complex in a Lowland League. There's one last comment I'd make, and it's a comment that was made um, in the interview. 
Um, about Rangers, I've, 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 I've looked through various different proposals. You know, we've not gone with this is the proposal that we want to go for and we're, we're, we're sticking to it. Um, Ross Wilson said we're, we're, we're basing this on data. So the Croatia one is the reason why they can down the B team route. But they did look at a strategic partnership. So that's what Hibs and Stenhouse Muir have set up, where it's essentially just a feeder club. Rangers would have a feeder club. Now, we probably don't have a strategic partnership formally set up, but you look at Queen of the South, for example, Rangers have, what, four or five young players at Queen of the South excelling right now? And, and the notable one is, is James Maxwell. James Maxwell has been away down to, to Queen of the South this year and you get Young Player of the Year at them and he, he, was, he was excellent. He's probably created a bit of a, a pathway himself into either challenging for the first team or similar to Stephen Kelly, he'll probably get a move to the, the Premiership next season where... Um, he does have a pathway, but it's it's how do you create that pathway for for other players? Because um, having feeder clubs doesn't work for everyone. You just need to look at Kai Kennedy, for example. I know he did um, do well when he was up at Inverness for the first six months, but he was homesick. You know, he was only seventeen years old, and he was uh, he was up in um, he was up in Inverness. Um, on his own during 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 lockdown and during a global pandemic, so he was homesick. That's the benefits of having having a coach team. Is you're still staying local, you're still being able to be raised in the area that you were you were born in, for example, or um, you're, you're certainly your surroundings that you're familiar with. David, did you say that sort of the the league that you'd seen that had a bit of a, a boys' club feel was that the sort of the the South of Scotland football league? East of Scotland League, that kind of, that tier. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen, but 20 minutes ago, they put out a statement. So the, the West of Scotland, East of Scotland, South of Scotland League are all disappointed and dismayed by the, the actions of the Scottish Lowland League to invite Rangers and Celtic to have Colts without considering how they might feel about it. So mm. um, I don't know if that cheers you up or makes you sad. No. I was going. I thought you were going to say that they released a statement to defend the standards of the league after <laughs> comments made but no I mean see see to be honest the, the team that I've I've seen play are a, a team from my hometown uh, called Bonnet and Thistle who I incidentally played for at boys club level back in the day um, and they were a, were a youth club basically went up to under 21s and then to get a pathway into the pyramid they went into the south of Scotland league so I, I went up to a few games to, to watch and Maybe it was just because Bonneton were largely under 21s. I just felt that the standard was good. Good football, you know, the buzzing it about, but it wasn't quite um it maybe wasn't quite as as blood and thunder and sort of what we're trying to get, the experience for the players, you know, it's it's about finding a way to win in difficult situations. And the problem I would have with that league is how difficult would the situations be, how quick would the thinking have to be? Um, I like the idea of if this was to go through, I love the idea of our guys playing against part-time teams who know how to win. So I'm talking teams like um, Montrose. I mean, a great example, Montrose at the moment, proper good team, doing really well. Um, and then others in the, in the in League 2. I mean, now I'm trying to think of any, but Edinburgh City, for instance, you know all these teams that are really, really good part-time teams in lower, lower leagues? I think that's great experience. My point is, if it was a, a certain level of football that maybe wasn't that, and it was about playing out from the back and playing nice football and building something at a club, um, maybe we wouldn't get them the right experience that they need. But anyway... We've spent enough time on this. <laughs> Again, it's taken over the show. Um, so we'll move on because we want to get to the the 
the big um, crescendo at the end of, of what we're going to go into. But before I do that, um, just a, a, another thanks to our, our partners at Football Prizes who have put together another great prize. Um, and it's a Paul Gascoigne signed uh, and framed shirt. Uh, so that's available on Football Prizes uh, website. Get all the details on Frankie's social media. Incidentally, Paul Gascoigne was on, on Italian TV over the weekend, um, looking very well, speaking fluent Italian. Good to see. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. So I'm going to try and explain this segment that Ross and I conjured up through the week. Um, and I'll try and discuss what we tried to do just to fill the time. But obviously we're now... 15 minutes left, so this will bring us nicely to the end of the show. So we're, we're discussing, you know, ways to, to sort of fill the time just with no game. And it's a particularly quiet week, so so we, we came up with an idea. Now, I'm going to go straight into this, rather than the, the, the sort of wee bit I was going to do before, the, the preamble, if you will. So we're looking at a great team this season, a team that's unbeaten in the league so far, has won the 55th title, has done great players all over the pitch. They're going to win player of the year. We've seen it with football writers. Fantastic team. Question marks over how, how it ranks and, and great Rangers teams over the past 20 years. <clears throat> so to balance that out, <laughs> Ross and I thought, you know, what about building a team that represents the last 10 years of the club, minus um, the majority of Steven Gerrard's players. So we thought a bit we thought it'd be interesting. We thought it'd be a, a good laugh, as they say. Um, and we've all picked. We've all picked our teams. Of uh, now, I, I don't want anyone to be offended by the term I'm going to use, but the banter years, um, and what what that represents. So some of the players that have come in the door, and you know, it doesn't have to be the worst player, but it can be the player that just represented where we were at that moment in time, and 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 just shows how far we've come as a club. Um, what I will say is it's nothing against these players. We're not trying to have a go. We're not going to get personal. We're not going to slate them uh, for, for hours on end. Just a wee laugh. Just going to go through some of our favourite banter players over the past 10 years. Now, what I will say is I'll let, I'll let everyone go through their team, but there's quite a lot of crossover, as Ross said at the start of the show, uh, before we started tonight. So... Do you know what? I'll, I'll let Ross go first. Ross can run us through his team, and then we can. Oh God, sorry. I thought it was a theme tune for this. <laughs> I thought he was about to start no, singing. It was, a, it. it was a work phone. Banner, yes. I didn't know it was under my keyboard, but um, that that is that sums it up. It's perfect. It's a banter years. That <laughs> was banter. So um, so some of the names that were that were on the teams were were quite similar across all three. But Ross. Carry on, right? You, your, your you team, your from decade from one to eleven, I right. So I've gone. I mean, I've seen I've seen your team, David, and it's you know there's there's a, an actual formation there. You've you've thought about wing backs. You've got a, someone <laughs> sitting in the hole. I've not really done that. I've gone for a, a goalkeeper, four defenders, four midfielders, and two strikers. You know, I'm a boy of the nineties, and that's how I like my football. So, um, in goal, I think. The, the the easy one or the obvious pick in goal might have been Steve Simonson, um, given his calibre, given his betting ban, that kind of thing. But for me, the banter was summed up by the chap that we brought in from uh, from Poland who made zero appearances, um, and that's Magic Gostomsky. 
And that's a name that I don't think many of us will probably remember, but Magic Gostomsky got brought in, uh, never made a single game and left in a huff about nine months later. So he goes in goal for me. Right back, I don't think there can be any argument about um, the Prince of Greece, Anestis Argiriu. Uh, and I'm not sure what he's up to now, but uh, we very much miss him. And I, I think, you know, what with Tav being injured, he could have done a job. Uh, on the other side at left back um, and I'm not sure if he was a left back but I'm not entirely sure he was a footballer so that would be Sebastian Farr um, brought can, in I, th- can I just say Ross I, I did Google uh, Sebastian or Seb as I used to call him and we went for a few beers in Glasgow uh, and he now plays for Goal FC Goal <laughs> <laughs> good for him yes. good for him that's the closest he'll get to the goal um, and at centre half it's a shame for the boy but Russell Martin I think might be the worst centre back I've ever seen so he gets in on that count uh, and partnering him at centre half is Philip No Surrenderos um, Senderos who you know turned up in a transit van got sent off for a handball against Celtic um, didn't really do much then until they got brought on in a, in a mid-season friendly away at Leipzig and that was kind of it. So uh, he was he was phenomenal. In midfield, I've been a bit it, cheeky. Ross, before you move on, can I just say, Senderos and Russell Martin have got like 100 caps between them probably. I know, I know. How many, how many top tier appearances do they have at the Premier League in England? Senderos or, played for Arsenal, Champions League. I, Champions I think League. he might have played in the Champions League final. He played for AC Milan. Agent, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. One anyway, of the sorry, worst. Bro. One of the worst I've ever seen. Um, midfield, I've been a bit cheeky because I've got three, <laughs> three wingers and, a, and a, an attacking midfielder. So a very direct, very attacking team that I've gone for here. Firstly, Billy King, just because of the banter of, you know how this season Celtic were doing really badly, and so they panicked in January and they brought in the guy with the most Irish name. They go out and they buy John Joe Kenny. We, I think we did the same thing when we panicked. It wasn't going well. Billy King, right, that'll, that'll cheer us all up. Um, Michael O'Halloran, good God, uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, and yet gets the move to Australia off the back of us, I think. Um, Carlos Pena, not the worst player by any means. And I think that that's, that's what sums up this team is it's not about who was the worst players that we ever signed, but certainly not the worst player, but possibly the worst signing. Um, and Dalcio, Dalcio tearing up the left wing, uh, just for that grin when he was about to be brought on against Hamilton. Um, again, I wonder what Dalsey was up to now. I had an honourable mention in there for John Eustace, who I believe is is going to be signing in the next couple of weeks. So we'll look forward to that. Um, and up top, two of the greatest strikers. Again, two two strikers who, maybe not in England, but have a, a, a fair number of top-tier performances in, in Scotland. France and Daza for getting a move to Rangers and then immediately trying to engineer a move away from Rangers. Um, and Kevin Kyle. Kevin Kyle will, will partner France and Daza up top. The man who came into negotiations with a figure in mind, got offered three times that amount, uh, played for another two seasons, then I think tried to become a professional darts player. And if I'm not mistaken, was last seen working on oil rigs and cruise ships doing the catering. So... To be, um, to be fair, right? There's nobody that would turn down that money that he got off. No, no, not at all, uh, not at all. Uh, but I think it's not necessarily that that he summed up that period for us. It's that that situation 
Like he got, he came in probably expecting to get two or three thousand pounds a week. You know, I'm signing for a club in the third division in you know, just come out of administration, that kind of thing. And like, why would he turn it down? It was just the, the biggest payday of his career. Um, the, the weirdest thing about him again, and this is this is the beauty of this uh, this team. He's another guy that had like scored loads of goals in Premier League in England. You know, he was a proper player. Yes. I remember watching Kevin Kell when I was like a boy. He'd yes. always be in the Premiership. You know, the the one a beautiful day by O two, uh, O two <laughs> is the theme song. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. I remember watching him on that for for Sunderland, and then all of a sudden. So again, not not the worst the worst play on this day, but no. yeah, sort of summed up the subtlety of it. But that's that's a I mean that formidable, um, formidable. Now, Dougie, I know that, I know that you've got a you've got a few there that that cross over. But is there anyone that that you'd like to add? Yeah, I've got a few um, that cross over with 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 Rossi's team, um, which isn't a good starting eleven when you look at it. Like I know you're saying that some of these guys have played at the highest level. When I look at that team right there, Kinch. Um, but I went for a different keeper. Um, the keeper that symbolised the banter years for me. Um, like Ross, I had Simmonson in mind because he was just god-awful. Um, sorry, if he's watching. Um, but I, I went for Cammy Bell purely for purely for that playoff uh, game against, against Motherwell. I think that summed up our banter years. Um, which then takes me nicely on to the other player in defence. So I, I also had a Abiru and Senderos who shares a birthday with me. Um, he's actually exact same age as me. Um, you're talking about as being youthful at the start of the show. When you look at Senderos, I kind of feel good about myself um, when I look at Senderos and remind myself that he's the same age. Um, but the, the player that played in the same game and, and sums up the banter years for me was Bilal Moshni. And, you know, like, see, see some of the other podcasts that have had ex-players come on the show. See when you hear some of the ex-players talking about Bilal Moshni, Apparently he was just an absolute nutter. <laughs> like there was a story on a bus where, where David Templeton was flicking his ear or something, and he basically turned around and threatened to kill him. Like I think I think he was like full scale nuts, which I think Lee Irwin certainly um, built the brunt of that in that, that playoff game against Motherwell. So he's in my back four. A bit like a bit like Rossi's mind is a bit all over the place. Um but my other my other kind of proud member of my defence is um Kibari. You know, again, this is a guy that played in the Serie A, but why this symbolises the, the banter years for me is when we went down to third division, we just went out and signed everyone and anyone. You know, we talked about Aguirre, Fori, um, Kibari was it? What was he in Napoli at the time when we, we, we signed him and a and a bondsman? This guy was playing in Serie A, but he, yeah. he he didn't look like a footballer at all either. Um, don't get me wrong, he was in the tail end of his of his career. I think he was thirty four when he signed. But how this how that guy played in the Serie A is beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. So he makes my back four. My midfield, um, we share O'Halloran. Um, yeah, Michael Francis O'Halloran. Um, yeah, less said about O'Halloran, the better. I think Warburton certainly looked at, let's get the pace. Let's just get somebody who can get the ball and run in a straight line. I think he thought Forrest Gump um, with O'Halloran, but he, he never was able to, to, to teach him how to play football because he doesn't have a brain. Um, sorry if he's watching. Um, we promise not to get personal, um, but O'Halloran's one of these guys that just really grinds my gears, which which moves on nicely to the rest of my midfield, which, um, you know, it's not much better. Um, Ian Black deserves to get into everyone starting a living. Um, do you know, I sent, I sent my 11 to, to a group of my mates beforehand, and, and one of them was like, Ian Black was actually quite good for us in, in, uh, in, in League Two. And I thought, like, Ian Black was an SPL player who... He got a cap for Scotland. Of course, he should be good enough for us in League Two. 
but it just symbolises where we were. We went and signed a guy who was playing in the SPL to go and play in League Two of Scotland. We didn't need to go and sign guys like Ian Black at that point and pay him however many thousands of pounds we paid him. You know, you talk about Kyle turning up on a uh, a Cal Mac ferry, I think it was for, for Kevin Kyle. Ian Black was rumoured to go and turn up on a roof doing roofing not long after um, being at Rangers. So God knows what these guys were doing with their money. It certainly wasn't um, anything sensible. But on the subject of, um, you know, the sheer symbolism of what we were like in the third division of, of still just splashing that cash like we were a, a top flight team was David Templeton. David Templeton makes my team not because of ability because actually he was a decent player. He, he scored against Liverpool um, a couple of weeks before he joined Rangers. But we paid a million pounds for David Templeton when we were in like the equivalent of third division. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea why we thought we had to go and spend that kind of money on those kind of players who by the time we got to the top flight you know, they were they were binned, they were cast off because they they were old, they were you know, we, we, we it's my biggest thing, my biggest frustration, we should have been building for the future. We should have been playing guys like Lewis McLeod, Barry McKay. You know, we talked about Argiri at right back. Was Darren Cole not any better than, than these guys? Um but there was a there was a, there was an interview and I totally digress before I go into my last midfielder, but there was an interview almost back to back between um Frank De Boer and Alan McCoist that was on T V. When Frank DeBoer was, was interviewed for Ajax as Ajax manager, and he basically said that he's writing off the next two seasons at Ajax because um, what they're doing right now is building for the future. Um, Ajax went on to reach the, the Champions League final. Alan McCoyst, in, in a kind of parallel interview, um, I, I literally seen him on the same day. Alan McCoyst said, at Rangers, you can't build for tomorrow. You've got to play for today. Um, and I get that sentiment. There's no, there's no room for losing at Rangers but we probably didn't need to go through the entire third division winning every game and winning every game comfortably we could have we could have developed some players to play and you know for me we shouldn't have been signing guys like Ian Black and David Templeton I'm going to finish with my last midfielder because it is none other than Joey Barton again not the worst player you know Joey Barton played in English Premiership and he was a damn good player in English Premiership but he just symbolises that period where Warburton thought he had to bring in experience when we moved from the Championship to the Premiership. He signed Senderos, Kreischer and Barton. And Joey Barton spent the entire summer playing golf. And then he was he was a presenter for the Euros. He thought that he was going to come to Scottish football and genuinely be the best player that's ever played in Scottish football. It's one of these things that really bothers me about players that come from down south. They, they have this this misconception that the Scottish games is, is poor standard, but he, he suddenly found out against Hamilton Ackies when Ali Crawford nutmegged them and, and, and made a mockery of them that actually the Scottish game's not too bad. And it's it's intense, it's fast, it's close. Um, and he symbolises the bad three years for me because he, he, he genuinely thought he was going to turn up and be the, the big man. Um, but my strikers are the same strikers as Ross. Um, they are Kevin Kyle and France and Daza. Um, like Ross, I had a few honourable mentions. I had Russell Martin, who my mate said, Russell Martin must be in your team because he kept out Alves, Bruno Alves from, from the starting 11. You know, a guy that made it into the European Cup final, he kept him out of the team. How did Russell Martin keep him out of the team? He must have had nudes of, of, Stuart, McCall's, of Stuart McCall's family somehow. Um, we talked about Pena, we talked about you know Herrera. Herrera went on a tour of Scotland. You know, he wasn't here to play football. He was here to come around to see the sights. 
But the other one that one of my mates suggested was the Newcastle Five. We just inherited these five guys one day of, of you know, here's five players that you can just have. Um, two of them actually played. You know, Shane Ferguson did okay. But Harris Vukic was quite a good player. So I'll exclude them. But Kevin and Babu, Remy Street and Gail Bergmama, you know, they've done nothing for us. We just inherited these players to boost the squad. Um, it turns out that Kevin and Babu actually went on to be a, quite a good footballer. I think he's playing for young boys. Like, you know, he went on to be like a ten million pound rated right back. But these guys just, you know, symbolised the Mike Ashley era of yeah, here's here's some Newcastle young players for you to have. And I think that symbolises how little he thought of Rangers, and therefore how little I think of Mike Ashley. And that, that I won't go into a full rant of how I boycott every single Mike Ashley outlet, even to this day, because I'm that stubborn. Um, so yes, that is my banter years of living. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go into mine because you've you've mentioned them all. What I'm going to do is uh, apologise to Stuart McCall for that unne- that <laughs> mention because he. I mean, I think, I think sure. he was about four years out of date though. Uh, no, it wasn't. But, it was Stuart McCall that, that signed him, was it not? That who Russell Martin? It was Graham Graham no, Martin? Was it was Graham Martin? Wasn't it? It was. It was Graham yeah. Martin. Poor Stuart McCall sitting at home. He's hot water bottle watching Jersey Net, wondering why he's getting accused of that. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to do something for the team and I'm gonna name a captain and that captain will be Seb Forey. Um good luck to you in goal FC next season Seb. Uh, I hope it's a good one. I think they play in the the French seventh division but you know what? Lowland League Good luck to you, Seb. You were a part of their history and, and you know, that'll never be forgotten. Same goes for all those players. You know, it's been a laugh, but um it, it does it it does nothing but remind us of how far we've come over the past few years and yeah, I th- I think some of those names hopefully we've given people something to think about tonight as they go to bed on a Sunday preparing for another week. Um, but if you have any, if, if any of the listeners or viewers have anything that they want to, any players they want to punt forward for the team, please do. Um, I mean, you've got everything tonight. You've got, you've got a bit of low, you've got a bit of B team football, you've got a bit of signing news, you've got a banter living, you've got my phone going off in the middle of the show. It's been a great night. Um, and thanks very much. We've only got a couple of shows left, one show left before the end of the season. Um, which will be a preview show for next Saturday's game, I'm sure. Uh, I think that's that's pretty much us for tonight. We're going a wee bit over. Thanks to Ross and, and Dougie for joining me tonight. Um, and if you enjoy what we're doing, always subscribe to, to the YouTube channel, follow Frankie's social media. Um, and yeah, until, until next time, good night.